Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Well, um, sometimes you don't want to actually get up and preach anything, you just want to let David play. <laughs> That's where I today. But um, I best not. Okay, so last week was wonderful. Um, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And um, we are indeed the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we're righteous because we believe. And what am I saying? Now, what I'm saying is we've got such a preacher in this house in David because he talks of in a way that he's such I mean he's such a preacher, I mean it's unbelievable. Um, and we're so blessed. So so blessed. There's a few things that he he's, he's kind of there's a few words that he's released over the, the years. And one that sticks is the word proximity. <laughs> proximity. Proximity. And I tried to get out of teaching, bringing this message, because I thought, well, didn't we kind of do it last week? And the Lord was like, mm-mm. There's details. Okay? There are details that need, you need, we need to know. Okay? Um, and this is going to be about being a prodigal. Okay, and the reason why I talk about proximity is because the proximity of a prodigal is not quite right. <laughs> okay, um, so what? This message is called "Living Like a Prodigal." Okay, uh, I need to get my glasses out. I think. There we go. Yes. The story of the five R's. Okay, what are the five R's? Anybody? No. No, 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 no. No, those are the good ones. I'm talking about the bad ones. Thank you. Rebellion. Repentance. Restoration. Resentment and rejoicing. That's really the story of the prodigal. Um, we also use the word prodigal to label a son or daughter who leaves home, remember that word, to pursue an indulgent life. Prodigal today means a person who goes their own way. And it troubled me when I was uh, speaking to the Lord about this. Because we just finished saying, right, all the prodigals returned, we prayed it, we'd broken it over the people last week, and yes, Lord. And the Lord said, there are details. There are details, and we need to be aware of the details. 
a few things to say. So, a couple of things that we're going to talk about today include, what do they include? The three main indicators that you are living in a prodigal lifestyle. Okay, yeah. And then the Lord said, I want you to understand how to combat a prodigal lifestyle. And he gave some pointers, which is good. Okay. So let's look at Luke 15, 11. And I'm going to read it because it's necessary for the hearing of the word of God. So that we're all on the same page immediately about what this is. Well known. We all know it. I'm going to read it just in case you don't. And he said, there was a certain man who had two sons. Who's he? Who said? Jesus. That's right. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the part of the property that falls to me. And he divided the estate between them. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered up all that he had and journeyed into a distant country. Remember that, a distant country, proximity, as David would say. And they wasted his fortune in reckless and loose from restraint living. And this is the part that I thought, Lord, is there anyone living like that amongst us? He said, it's not the point. It's not the point. You'll see. And when he had spent all he had, a mighty famine came upon that country and he began to fall behind and be in want. So he went and forced, glued even himself upon one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed hogs. And he would gladly have fed on and filled his belly with the corrid pods that the hogs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger and nobody gave him anything better. Then when he came to himself, there's always a moment when you come to yourself, you realize he said, how many hired servants of my father have enough food and even food to spare? And I am perishing, dying here of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and came to his own father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity and tenderness for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him fervently. I'm going to stop there because this is the place that the Lord said, I am looking for you. He said, as I was standing over there, my heart is burning to receive you back in all the fronts that that talks to. His heart is burning to receive you back.
So the Holy Spirit started to minister to me and he made it very simple, kept it really simple. And his starting point was, all prodigals are far from home because they are not where they should be. This is obvious. They have wandered off into the world. All prodigals, right? That is the picture of the situation. They are far from home. Verse 13, and not many days after that, the younger son gathered up all he had and journeyed into a distant country, distant, and there he wasted his fortune in reckless and loose living. So what is home for a Christian? What is home? Anybody? All those things, you get A star. It's both physical and spiritual, okay? In a nutshell, the place where your life is fully submitted to God and Jesus Christ is truly your Lord. You follow and obey God's word. You live your life according to God's will. This is the desire of your heart, to live your life according to God's will. Put your hand up if you are doing that perfectly. Oh dear. (laughs) This is why the Lord said, being a prodigal is not just about the one who spent his inheritance. It's about a lifestyle that you are living fully or partially. And the Lord hates it. And this is the reason it applies to everybody. It is a prodigal way of living. If we look around in this ministry, there are a number of charismatic, gifted, vocal people that have left. And the Lord said to me, they should not have left. He said to me, pray for the prodigals to return. Now his definition is, they are not where they should be. They should be here. Physically, Lord only knows spiritually where they are at. I'm not mentioning any names. We'll go into that a bit later. Okay. So in a nutshell, that's what it's about. And that's why we're not done with talking about it. And we're not done with praying about it. Because the Lord sees us so far off in that aspect that is not near to him. On Wednesday, I preached about what did I preach about on Wednesday? Not quite. That's right. Getting close to God. Drawing near. I mean, how different are these two things? A prodigal and drawing near, listening to the heartbeat of the Lord. Lord. 
So Holy Spirit said this, he said, there are groups of my children who are living the prodigal lifestyle, but they are unaware of it because they are all in the same boat. You must ask my Holy Spirit to open your eyes so you can see to what extent this affects you. Groups, he said, even congregations. And I said, whoa, what season is this we're talking about? Because I knew he's talking about today and he's saying it will get worse. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, but the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in the latter time, some will turn away from the faith, giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach. Hebrews 3.12 to 13 says, therefore beware, brethren, Take care, lest there be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to cleave to trust in and rely on him, leading you to turn away and desert or stand aloof from the living God. But instead, warn, admonish urge and encourage one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened into settled rebellion there's that word by the deceitfulness of sin by the fraudulence the stratagem the trickery which the delusive glamour of his sin may play on him So this is not a walk in the park and it is not barefaced obvious. There is subtlety and cunning mixed in with this, okay? So the Lord gave me an example of someone in the scriptures who lived a prodigal lifestyle and I was shocked who he chose. And I said, well, I don't, I went through his whole life to figure out where is it? (laughs) I got it in the end. And he said this, he said, Moses lived a prodigal lifestyle until he came back to me and walked according to my purpose for his life. Moses, the most humble man that ever lived. The one whose face shone when he met with the Lord. The one who saw the back of the Lord's head. Now, if that guy can be a prodigal, that leaves none of us out. So let's, uh, let's have a little look and see if we can see what the Lord is saying. So here we have Moses found in an ark basket on the bank of the Nile in, in the reeds by Pharaoh's daughter. Then his sister engineered for him to be nursed by his actual mother by getting Pharaoh's daughter to agree to it and pay her wages to do so. So he was adopted and raised in the palace as an Egyptian 
but was still known to be Hebrew. And he would have had Hebrew people around him as servants, teachers, etc. Probably. So he was still indirectly amongst his people. Since the Israelites were being enslaved for centuries at the time and would have been very much part of Egyptian society. So he was home. In a sense, he was actually home. So here we have Moses coming of age and killing an Egyptian after seeing him beat a Hebrew that he considered his brother. So Moses, through fear of being discovered, flees from Pharaoh and takes refuge in the land of Midian. Let's have a look at the land of Midian. So this land, this region through an apparent religio-political connection with the Moabites, they are thought to have worshipped a multitude, including Baal, Poa, and the Queen of Heaven, Ashtoreth. All bad. So he goes to a land that was idolatrous, just like Egypt, but without any Hebrew living there. So let's look at Exodus 2, 16 to 23. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to the water for their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Jethro, their father, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? They said, an Egyptian delivered us from the shepherds. Also, he drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. Remember the word content. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. And she bore a son and he called his name Gershom, which is expulsion or a stranger there. For he said, I have been a stranger and a sojourner in a foreign land. Ah, oh, so this is where we are. However, after a long time, nearly 40 years, the king of Egypt died and the Israelites were sighing and groaning because of the bondage. They kept crying and their cry because, and their, and their cry because of slavery ascended to God. Okay, so... So here's Moses, brought up as an Egyptian, but a Hebrew through and through. Leaving his Hebrew people and Egypt and going into another idolatrous land. And here we have the priest of Midian. Which means either that he was its pagan priest or its prince. Now, I checked, some of these Jewish scholars believed that he was an arch-idolater 
And as such, he was able to testify to the supremacy of God, nonetheless still holding that the idols possessed some divine powers. Now, it's not clear whether he, at that point, had repented and accepted Judaism or not. I tend to think that at this point, he was still idolatrous because we, we discover later on um, in Exodus 18, when he comes to visit Moses when they're in the, in the wilderness, that he said that their God is greater than all other gods. So clearly he had been converted. We'll get into that. So what is the point then? Moses, a stranger in a foreign place, sojourning in a foreign land, taking an idolatrous wife and living under the roof of an idolatrous priest. For 40 years. He would have adopted their customs, he would have lived in a way that was not Hebrew. There's no way that he could have, on his own, lived like a strict Hebrew. There's no way. Until God called him out of the burning bush. So what, what's going on here? So the Lord was saying to me, the thing with a prodigal is that they are not in my will. They're not, they're not in the will of God. Certainly not the perfect will of God and some not in his will. They are standing in opposition to the God's will at that time because they're not in the place that they should be. They're living a way that is not pleasing to the Lord and they're happy with it, like Moses was happy to dwell there. And this is a condition that he said a lot of us, his kids, are in to a lesser or a greater extent. So he said this, he said, I want my children to adjust themselves so that their lives are not contained by any fleshy desires. So they would be completely led by my spirit. Galatians 5, 24 says, and those who belong to Jesus, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with his passions and appetites and desires. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. So the idea here is that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to control our conduct. Put your hand up if you believe every aspect of your life, your conduct is controlled by the Holy Spirit. 
okay? This is the issue. Because when, when we talk about the prodigal, we think that it's some guy that's run away from home, detached from us, we can't be prodigal. But the Lord has levels and details. And he's saying, deal with the prodigal lifestyle. The Spirit said this, he said, my children are not fighting hard enough to get home. For much warfare is needed against the accuser in order that you can get back home. And this is where we are. We're not doing enough warfare. We have to realize, as I actually said on Wednesday, that the enemy is tempting us with the things of the world to bring us to a place where we are far from home. James 4, 4 to 7 says it. You are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. That's got to be no one here. Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. God is so jealous for us. But he gives us more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency. Thank God. And all others fully. That is why, he says, God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly, those who are humble enough to receive it. So subject, be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. We must stand firm against Satan's schemes in this area in particular, until he flees. But in order to do it, we must submit completely to the word of God. And the only way you can do that is to be home. You can't be living as a prodigal and be at home. I will lead you by my spirit, the Lord said, but you must give up some comforts in order to get back on track. There has to be a change in your life circumstances. You cannot live a prodigal lifestyle and get back home without changing your life circumstances because it is your life circumstances that declare you as prodigal. The way that you choose to live, the way that you are thinking, the way that you are mixing, all of those. Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, if any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interests, refuse and give up himself and take up his cross 
daily and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living and if need be, in dying also. For whoever would preserve his life and save it will lose and destroy it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he will preserve and save it from the penalty of eternal death. We've got to go through the experience of the cross to completely eradicate the flesh. All right. So what else did he say? Living life as a prodigal affects your dignity because you become prepared to do things that you should not. When you are living a prodigal lifestyle, there is a tendency to conform to lower standards of that foreign environment. To the point of losing your spiritual dignity to a lesser or greater extent because you align yourself or connect yourself to those around you who do not honor and adhere to God's word. That could even be in another ministry, in another school, in another job, in another friendship, in another relationship. And you end up behaving just like them. And what's worse, you lose your dignity. The people you are now aligned with will begin to lose respect for you and what you should be believing in. This is the reason why when you try to minister to a lot of people at work, sometimes they're not interested because it's like they look at your life you were laughing and joking with us the other day about all that stuff. Don't come and tell me about Jesus. Honestly. They don't respect the message anymore that you're bringing because you have brought yourself in alignment with that ungodliness. And then you're trying to preach Jesus. How does that make sense? God is not mocked and people are not stupid. That's the reality. Some of us cannot minister in our workplace because of that. We know in our heart that we don't have mouth to talk anymore because of how we've aligned ourselves in a season sometimes or on a particular day with some stupid jokes or some behaviour or something that is not godly. Do you know what my advice is? Be honest. Repent. Say to them, yeah, I was wrong and I wasn't living in line with this, but I am now. Luke 15, 15 to 16. So he went and forced, glued himself upon one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed hogs. This is exactly the picture. Glued yourself, aligned yourself with whom you shouldn't. It's fine to be a friend, 
but don't take on their ideals, don't take on their life's philosophy, don't agree with that which is darkness. Don't agree with it. That is a prodigal lifestyle. We'll get to it. Interestingly, when you look at the Moses situation, you see that he's an Egyptian from the royal household. It would have been an abomination for Moses to have mixed with or carried out the duties of a shepherd because the Egyptians hated shepherds. They considered that thing to be disgusting. So his behavior in Exodus 2, 17 as an Egyptian, as they referred to him, proved that he was actually living a prodigal lifestyle, even at that point. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. That's unthinkable for an Egyptian. He went further. He married Zipporah, daughter of Jethro, a Medianite. I wonder what un-Hebrew-like customs she contaminated him with over 40 years. Now I know why the Lord said he was living a prodigal lifestyle. So the picture is clear. Very, very clear. The Lord is helping us. And he says that there are three main indicators that you are living in a prodigal lifestyle. Three main ones. There's others. But he says, if you see these ones, okay. Number one, not willing to listen to my Holy Spirit about what is my will for your life. His promptings, his instruction, or his advice. Not willing to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying you need to be doing. This is your purpose. This is your destiny. Jeremiah 6.10 says this, To whom shall I, Jeremiah, speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised, never brought into covenant with God or consecrated to his service, and they cannot hear or obey. Behold, the word of the Lord has become to them a reproach and the object of their scorn. They have no delight in it. No one of such ilk is here, I believe. But it's a spectrum. It might be at one end, the lower end, not the higher end. Number two, not willing to patiently wait for the physical manifestation of my promise. There are many promises of God. There are some that we're holding on to there's some that we have been holding on to, but the physical manifestation has not come. So what do we do? We end up trying to achieve things our own way, by the way of the world, and we make compromise after compromise after compromise. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen, 
If God has promised you, if you've met the requirements, he is not going to renege on it. But you need, we need to wait it out. If we are not willing to wait, if we are not willing to be patient concerning the promises of God, where does that leave us? First entry to the world. Number three, letting time pass you by without making progress towards achieving God's will for your life. Destiny paused. Now we could use Moses for this example. Before the Lord caught up with him and spoke out of that burning bush, he was 40 years and not really doing anything with regard to God's will, his purpose for his life. He was living as a shepherd and he was quite content about it. Think about it. One minute shepherd, next minute, out of the burning bush, the Lord was saying, right, I've chosen you to lead these people out of bondage. Go back and speak to Pharaoh. What a difference. You see, he was down here and his wills, his purpose is up here. And this is the issue. It's not just the proximity with the Lord. It's also about the distance from his will and purpose for your life. The Spirit said, I want you to understand how to combat a prodigal lifestyle. So let's talk about that. First, humble yourself and receive counsel from the Holy Spirit every day. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and counsel us so that we do not start wandering off in any department of our lives. We must allow him, this is why we have to humble ourselves, to keep us from falling away. I didn't really think of the falling away in terms of prodigals, but it is exactly what it is. Matthew 24, 10. And then many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey and will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. Listen, there comes a time when a prodigal Christian nation with a church building within every town needs to humble itself and cry out to God for restoration and revival. Second Chronicles 7:14, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. The Holy Spirit is comforter, counsellor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf will teach you all things 
and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. He will do this every day if we let him. This is why we must humble ourselves, receive counsel from the Holy Spirit every day. So that's number one on how to combat this lifestyle. Number two, make yourself available to me. This is the thing about living in a way that we know is not connected with the Lord. We disconnect ourselves. We pray less or not at all. We read the word of God less or not at all. We allow ourselves to be ministered to less or not at all. We hide ourselves from the Lord and God is unable to use us. Yeah. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of and forget himself and his own interests and take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living. And if need be, die also. For whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and security here shall lose it eternal life and whoever loses his life his comfort and security here for my sake shall find it we've said it and we say it again number three be more sensitive now i thought he was being saying being sensitive to other people but he says no be more sensitive to yourself be more sensitive to how you are operating be sensitive to what's going on in your thought process. Be sensitive to what your life is doing day to day. 2 John 1, 8-9. Look to yourselves. Take care that you may not lose, throw away or destroy all that we and you have laboured for, but that you may preserve until you win and receive back a perfect reward in full. Anyone who runs on ahead of God and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, who is not content with what he taught, does not have God. But he who continues to live in the doctrine, teaching of Christ, does have God. He has both the Father and the Son. Be more sensitive to yourself, sensitive about what's going on with me. What's going on in my heart? What are the conversations I'm having in my mind? What word of God am I meditating on? What doctrine am I following? Is it correct? What am I exposing myself to? Not every meal is to be consumed by you. You know that? Go on YouTube and you see pastor whatever his name is from wherever he is with whatever title and whatever picture Lord is this for me today and wait to see what the Lord says not every meal is to be consumed by you see what the Holy Spirit says 
pray before you look at that YouTube 20 minutes worth of preaching by that on fire pastor from wherever he is. Romans 16 goes further. 17, I appeal to you, brethren, to be on your guard concerning those who create dissensions and difficulties and cause divisions in opposition to the doctrine, the teaching which you have been taught. I warn you to turn aside from them, to avoid them. Guard the true doctrine of Jesus Christ that is in your heart. Do not let some fanfare pastor that is speaking the word that is contrary to what you can read and easily understand from the word of God that is rooted in the truth. Do not give it up, sister. Don't give it up, brother. There are many out there preaching something else. And it says in Galatians, if you preach another Jesus, what do you get? Another spirit. Number four. Wait on me. Wait on me, says the Lord. Psalm 37, 7. Be still and rest in the Lord. Wait for him and patiently lean yourself upon him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. I remember when I was looking for a job, I used to work for... It was Anderson Consulting at the time. And I was on the train and I was ripping it. I was saying, Lord, I have prayed. I've sought your face. The next job, where is it? He sent me the scripture two or three times. He said, listen, don't compare your life with the evildoer. Don't look at them for prosperity. Because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Deji, don't look at them, son. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evildoing. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait and hope and look to the Lord in the end shall inherit the earth. That is a powerful scripture. And I tell you, I had to shut my mouth. Come back the next day. Number, what are we on? Six. I didn't actually put these in order, but five. There you go, you're listening, not sleep. <laughs> Do not cover anything in the world. Colossians 1, 1 to 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in, in glory. Now, this is hard to do, right? But you must apply understanding. The Lord is not saying you shouldn't like nice things. There's a difference between a covetousness and needing something. Like if David wanted a new pair of Nike trainers. Always. always. <laughs> that in and of itself would not be bad. 
Now, if he plastered the entire household of pictures of those particular trainers and brought it up every time he sat down with Denise for supper, <laughs> even to the point of stopping the car and saying, look, you see that guy there? Now, that would be an issue because that's curvaceousness, you see. He's coveting, holding it high level of importance in his heart. I want, I want, I need to have that. That's curvaceousness. Do not cover anything in the world. Nothing. Because if you hold on to it, it will hold on to you. Yeah, I repeat, if you hold on to it, whether it be in your mind, whether it be in your eyes, whether it be in your speech, it will hold on to you. And it will take the place of your God. Number six, increase the love you have for one another. Wow. Increase it. Romans 12, 9 to 10. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil. Loathe all ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. This is what Karen was talking about. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence, precedence, precedence even, and showing honour to one another. Listen, we must lovingly look out for one another. This is such a key part of it. We must be looking out. We must be not afraid in and with gentleness and love to bring correction. Listen, sister, I've not seen you in church for six weeks. What are you doing? Oh, I'm watching... Um, What's that thing again? On YouTube. Sister, the Bible says, do not forsake the, the gathering of the saints. We all miss you. Sister, you cannot be doing this thing. This is not right by the word of God. I know Jesus is with you. Me, myself and Jesus, we're okay. But that's not what the word of God completely says. Come next week. Oh, but on this and that. Yes, but you used to come. What's changed? Oh, this is the new normal. Rubbish. <laughs> Last time I checked, the word of God has not changed. Not a single part of God's word. Dot or tittle. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not that thing. So it's not changing with the seasons. Yes, there is. I understand the new normal. The world is changing, but the word of God's not. See, you might see the word slightly differently because it's changing. I get that. Work from home and all that. Word of God's not changing. Word of God's not changing. David, word of God's not changing, right? It's not changing. See? James 5. 19, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is big time. 
pleasing to God. Look, someone wandering. Who's that? Prodigal. All over the place, isn't it? When you see it. Shall I read Galatians 6? Of course. If any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you are you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the spirit, should set him right, him or her, it should say there, and restore and reinstate him or her, without any sense of superiority and with gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. Bear, endure, carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults. And in this way, fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ the Messiah, the complete and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it. Now I'm deliberately reading all the scriptures because they speak loudly for themselves and it is very, very clear what needs to be done. Where are we on, number seven? Beware of contamination. Now, contamination comes in all kinds of forms. But they end up doing the same thing. Lowering your spiritual temperature. Lowering your spiritual temperature. You know, Tina showed me something on, uh, on YouTube. Seriously? I'm different now when I go into the supermarket. And what she showed, she showed a witch, right? Cursing food on the shelves in, I think it was Sainsbury's. Cursing food. Wake up, children of God. Cursing food. What happens to the person that eats that unawares? We may eat poison, but it shall no, by no means harm us. Amen. Right? But where in God? How about everybody else? I bind and destroy the spirit of witchcraft in this country in the name of Jesus. As I'm standing at this pulpit, I bind that wicked spirit. There is no greater authority than that there is in the name of Jesus. The wickedness of Satan coming to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But who came? Jesus. That we may have life and have it more abundantly. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, since these great promises are yours, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defiles body and spirit and bring our consecration to completeness in the reverential fear of God. Beware of contamination, especially in these days. Pray over your food, brothers and sisters. I don't mean be religious, but be wise. Sainsbury's is not where it used to be. <laughs> and finally, the Lord said, I will come and find you. I will come and find you. 
say it again. I will come and I will find you, he says. No devil is going to snatch you from my hand. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, he will come and find you. If the blood of Jesus is covering you, he will come and find you. Yes, you may be prodigal, but remember when the father saw him at a distance coming, what he did. The Lord sees at some kind of distances. <laughs> he cuts through days, weeks, months, years. He sees, the Lord sees. I will come and find you. Matthew 18, 12 to 14. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray and gets lost, will he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that is lost? And if it should be that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices more over it than over the 99 that did not get lost. Just so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost and perish. I will find you, says the Lord, wherever you are, prodigal or not. And then the final thing the Lord said, which is what David ended with last week, I think it was, he said, for revival, my children must be home and not living a prodigal life. For revival to happen, you can't be living like a prodigal. You must be at home, back at home, tucked up in bed with Christ. Yeah. Not living a prodigal lifestyle. Not living foolery and stupidity. Not living with those who live an idolatrous, self-centered, filthy, defiled life. Unless, of course, you are there to witness to them and you're not agreeing with their life and you're not living that way. But if you are one of them, if there's no dividing line between you and them, there's a problem. Oh dear. If you are, so to speak, I mean, let's call it out. If you are not willing to listen to the Holy Spirit about what is his will for your life, there is a problem. If he says you're to be a pastor and you want to be a teacher, in school, there is a problem. If, you're, if he says he wants you to be a doctor and you like sewing at home on a sewing machine, there is an issue. If you are not willing to patiently wait for the physical manifestation of the promise of your husband or the promise of your wife, so you've decided to go on all kinds of websites and things without praying. I mean without praying, because God gets involved in all kinds of things, but if you're doing it without praying, you're not doing it in faith. Mm -hmm. 
you are trying to achieve things your own way and you are making compromise after compromise after compromise. And it is the trademark of a prodigal life. If you are letting time pass you by without making progress towards achieving God's will for your life, if destiny is paused for you, like it was for Moses for 40 years, then it is a sign of a prodigal. Now, I hope that this is information and protection for you because I'm certainly seeing it differently. This doesn't diminish what we prayed last week about the prodigals. It does prepare us because I believe that the Lord is wanting these details to be on our hearts for the future because the falling away is still happening and people are still falling away. There are prodigals that are becoming prodigals and there are prodigals that are returning home. It just depends. But as for you and I, we know how to combat this now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that we have a home. No one is an orphan in here. For you have a father. You have a father. You have a home. The word of God is for you. The Holy Spirit is with you and he is for you. Lord, I ask by your power to bring correction to understanding that is wrong in this place in Jesus' name. I pray that everyone who is in some way living in a foreign land, sojourning with foreigners, would leave that place and come back home to you so that you can rejoice and lavish on them again. Strengthen us against the enemy that we would submit to you, resist him, and that he will flee from us and not drag us into worldliness. Lord, receive all the glory in the coming days and weeks as we get closer and closer to you and return fully home with you on earth. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. 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 We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 